Hey, what's up, guys? You can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube by searching The Cool Kids Table Podcast and Twitter by looking up The Cool Kids Pod. The website is thecoolkidstablepodcast.com. My guest today is Kelsey Barrias. Um, I met Kelsey through the podcast page, actually. You know, we started messaging on there. She replied to one of the stories. I like to just stay active on that from time to time, you know, talk to the listeners. You know, you guys uh, tell me what you liked or didn't like about the certain episodes or whatever. And we just started messaging about, um, like, the concentration camps, Trump's wall, like, quote-unquote Trump's wall. And I was like, dude, you know your shit. Like, so I checked out her page, and then she I saw she had another page and another page. So I was like, dude, I got to get you on the podcast sometime. And she said, I'm down. I'm on, the only thing is, I'm moving to San Diego, like, very, very soon. So I said, let's make it happen. So within that initial conversation, we set up a date to record, like, I think less than a week later. Kelsey's a therapist. She is a fucking do it all and she does it all well she's a published author self-published author she wrote how i became the love of my life a memoir and she's also a podcast founder and host of her podcast a spanglish podcast that's pretty badass and that's called acá entre nos um so she's a therapist she got her master's in clinical psychology out of pepperdine so i mean it's fucking fascinating, you know, hearing somebody like that with, you know, the credentials to not just say it, but say it like with, you know, she knows her shit. And it's fucking pretty, pretty cool to sit with someone like that and just get their take on it on, you know, not just the issues at hand, but just dating back to things in the past. And it's fucking really cool. This happened outside of a library. So the audio quality uh, quality isn't all that great. It's still pretty good, but you can just tell, you know, once in a while, like you'll hear somebody passing by. There was a lot of dog walkers. And I mean, for just last minute kind of thing, like let's get this done. It went really well. So make sure you follow her on her things. Her writer's page is kbeautifulmind underscore. And the podcast page is acá entre nos. Enjoy. Welcome to the Cool Kids Table Podcast. My guest today is Kelsey Barillas of Acá Entre Nos Podcast, and she's also an author that runs the K Beautiful Mind Instagram page. Kelsey, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you for coming on. How was your weekend? Um, It was good. It was pretty intense. Um, I was in Tijuana for the weekend. Um volunteering with an organization uh border angels i don't know if you've heard of them um they're pretty known uh they started with what call what they call the water drop-offs um so what they do is they go out into the desert where uh, most of the immigrants walk through and they drop off like jugs of water um and they try to kind of see like where they see 
that they have been walking through so that people could have water out there and to decrease the deaths that happen um, for migrants. But um, they started this new thing called Caravan Love. And so what they do is twice a month they go out into Tijuana with donations from everywhere and anyone who comes. There was so many people from L.A., Oakland, San Francisco, like that made the weekend just to go to San Diego and be a part of this. And um, they basically divided us into groups uh, with different leaders and we hit different shelters um, where a lot of them are staying. And we got to, first and foremost, like we were there to drop off donations, um, but we got to interact with the kids and hear their stories. Um, the mothers the, uh, there was one shelter we went to was only men and so I got to like talking to them and what they were running from and what they were um, you know leaving back home so it was really interesting and so many mixed emotions um, from it all and just it's such a humbling experience and it just it grounds you like it reminds you of like why why we advocate for our people and why we why we do this like why we're here to to be united and help each other and be a part of that so it was wonderful that's great to hear um i was actually reading that i don't think it's a felony but i know it's a crime if you go out there and put water now or like give them food it's that ridiculous that you can't like you could go out there like the Minutemen militia like with guns and ammo and like protecting the country and that's fine that's tolerated that's allowed and yet if you go out there with like water bottles some food like not food but like I guess non-perishables like you could be convicted of a crime yeah there was a guy that was just arrested that did it in Texas I can't think of his name right now um but that that was pretty that went pretty viral um and yeah i guess now it's a crime and so that's why border angels is trying to see other ways that they can help um but it's unfortunate that (laughs) it's a crime um and it's ridiculous because it really is just like it's not compassion yeah it's just being compassionate there's so many deaths for people that make that sacrifice to cross to the through the desert and so they you know they're they were dropping off waters um i have a friend who did it and she told me that like she and another friend took also like you know sanitary pads and tampons for the women um and we're also leaving them there um but yeah from what i have heard um or what I heard this weekend from some of the leaders, I guess um, a lot of the ICE officers were dumping out the, the water. The so water. Mm-hmm. Like what kind of, I mean, I don't question their morals or ethics, but like that's extra, you know, like I get it, it's your job to protect the country. If that's how you see protecting the country is letting these people that are running for their life most of the time, mm-hmm. not even offer them water, you know, in the desert. Like what, yeah. what kind of, evil you know that's an uh, unnecessary evil that's the how the youngins say extra mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um question was that your first time doing this type of thing not this type of thing but i mean with the border angels yeah so um i have a conocido i guess you could say um friend who works for the va and they went to the actual camps um and so 
when they did it, it was more of an individual-like thing. I, him and his just group of friends um, took a bunch of donations, dropped them off. Um, and he had to- told me that a lot of the people didn't have shoes, didn't have socks, um, and were barefoot or needed shoes and so he was saying that some of the even the kids like he would have like you know balls and crayons and stuff for them and they wanted shoes and so I um spoke to some of my friends and I'm you you know I think I want to do a shoe drive and I did it on behalf of Acantrenos um and myself so um that's how I promoted it or marketed I guess you could say but um I, sorry, I like <laughs> lost my train of thought. Um, so I did, I did the shoe drive on behalf of Acantinos, but I put it in all my so- social media and I just told people, I'm just collecting shoes. I've heard that they need shoes. Um, so we collected, me and my friend Cindy, who just decided to join in, um, she put a box at one of the gyms locally here in Monrovia and then one at a restaurant. And then through our friends, we collected over 200 pairs of shoes. Nice. Yeah. And, um, we took them out there, but so what, okay. So my point was we tried to do the shoe drive and we were just going to drop them off somewhere because I didn't know, you know, I was like, I'm not going to TJ by myself to take them. I don't know where I would go. And so I was reaching out to organizations and trying to see, okay, who takes donations over there? And so then um, one of my friends was like, hey, you know, have you heard of Border Angels? They do the water drop-off. I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of the water drop-off. I heard about it actually on the news in Univision. Um, They had interviewed, like, the guy that started that. And so she was just like yeah I'm sure they do donations too so then when I looked on their website and reached out to the or the person that organizes it um her name was Megan she said oh well we just started this new thing where we're taking groups of people to interact with the people and show them that not all Americans are anti uh immigrants and that we do care um and so she's like we're calling it caravan of love and we go out there and take the stuff and so then I told my friend Cindy do you want to come with me like we'll just take the shoes but also volunteer so we arrived Friday did the drop off took everything that we collected from out here we had people from LA Irvine the OC uh, Monrovia Almani um, everywhere Arcadia that just gave us shoes and a lot of people were asking like do you need diapers do you need this but I just did only shoes because it was going to be easier for us to just carry and load up a car. Um, But now I want to do it again, and there's so much more that people need. Um, But, yeah, so we show up, drop off Friday, and then Saturday we met with them at 10 a.m., and it's a group of a bunch of people. And I'm talking, like, people from everywhere. I met a lawyer. I met a, like, commercial real estate guy que se miraba que tenían dinero like you know like you could tell that these people had money and honestly to the point where it's like for all they care like they they don't care or they wouldn't you would think they wouldn't care you know like this isn't my problem but there was just so many people that like care and it was nice to see like Caucasians and Filipinos and uh, you know Asian descent African Americans a lot of Latinos there that 
care and I think it was also nice for the um, immigrants to see that because a lot of them there have this mentality that we are ugly that we don't care about them and we don't care if they die in the desert and we don't care what their issues are and so them seeing like the diversity the diversity of the people that were volunteering there was an armenian family um it was the, the father the wife and their three daughters and they go at least once a month to do this and they they collect from like their community and they you know get donations together and go once a month and i was just like wow like it, it was really nice to see the diversity um especially i'm i mean i'll be honest especially from the caucasian community i think a lot of us especially latinos that are trying to advocate for our people and we're seeing um the racism and discrimination we i don't know about you guys but i've gotten to the point where i'm like fuck white people sometimes you know because of the shit i've read and the shit i've heard them say and i'm just like i'm like screw you guys you know for treating my people this way or for treating my community this way but the people i met this weekend were like some of us give a shit and actually the guy that the commercial real estate guy and his wife were there um his wife is not white she's like um portuguese and something else but um, she speaks Spanish, and so they met volunteering, and so they, then they dated and got married, and so he was telling me, like, I don't talk to my parents. They're very racist. Um, I work in an office where almost everybody voted for Trump, but I am the voice in that office that, you know, voice educates yeah. and tells people, like, it, get out there. Get out there and volunteer just once, and you will see that this is the these aren't criminals these aren't gang members these are people running from that and so he they do it all the time and they work with other organizations too they throw charity events they're people of money they throw they actually were telling me about a dinner where like people are going to pay five hundred dollars to go to this dinner and they have to like donate and all this stuff so they them alone were amazing um and then they they had she had other friends there that were a part of some kind of like women's group of like rich women housewives that are just trying to see how they can help and collecting money so yeah it was it was crazy it was crazy to see people from everywhere you know from poor to rich to this is what i do to a nurse or just a lady who said oh i just wanted to bring my daughter so she could see what's going on and there was a couple who took a newborn baby like not newborn but i think he was like seven months or something and they're like yeah we do this all the time and the lady had the little like backpack where you put the baby baby. in and she had the baby in the back and she was rolling in a tj like that and i was just like wow like this is amazing so a lot of people that care um a lot of people that do care i think it's hard for the immigrants to see that because of what's going on in the news and what you know that right now it seems like trump's voice and whoever stands by him might be a little louder than the rest of us but there is a lot of people who care and a lot of people donated things so it was nice to see that unity that's awesome Next time you um, do that, let me know, and I'll shout it out to my listeners and my social media so that we can get more. Cause yeah, so, so I have a pretty crazy summer, um, like, because I'm in weddings and all kinds of stuff, but and I'm starting a new job 
and relocating so i'm thinking around september but i do want to start promoting it soon um what i did hear from the people is a lot of them were like oh i've been here for eight days i've been here for 15 days i've been here for two three months and um they're just kind of waiting they're waiting for their application to be processed they're waiting to be called they literally are a number and it's like i'm number 1400 and blah 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 and i'm waiting kind of thing so they all have a number and they just kind of wait at these shelters um so but a lot of them were saying i was asking because i was like i want to do this again and i want to know what i need to bring um so the border has set new laws because apparently a lot of organizations were like bringing donations and they don't take used shoes anymore we got fined um we paid the fine to get the shoes across and the guy uh that organizes with border angels kind of knew the cop the officer and sort of bribed them like come on dude like we're just going to take them to the shelters um but they don't take you you can't get use clothes or use shoes across anymore because they think you're gonna like set up a tianguis and you know like a swap me and yeah. try to sell them um but because they knew border angels the guy was like all right just pay this much and then you know you can get across um but the, he literally told them first and last time because we had bags and bags of shoes and then obviously other people donated other things um but you can donate used blankets you can't donate used clothes or used shoes. It has to be new for you to get it across, um, which is crazy. You'd think people would want to sell more new things than used things, but I don't know what it is that Mexico's law or rule is. They said that it was um, to stop disease spreading and stuff like that, Like, but honestly, I think it's just, you know, a political thing. Um, so what a lot of the people were saying that they needed was like um underwear bras the men needed boxers um socks and obviously like um toothbrush deodorant shampoo the ladies would be like oh do you have any kids lotion like you know and then like uh, bug spray and things like that because there's so many of them in these shelters that only can you know sheltered let's say 100 people but the shelters at full capacity at like 200 and so they're like sharing beds and um you know not the best sanitary conditions exactly. so they just need the basic necessities so it's just the basic necessities so i saw another family that apparently does this often and what they did um the guy was telling me that what they did is they had people make ziploc bags for them like do you want to donate make 20 30 ziploc bags like your family makes 20 30 and then the next family makes 20 30 and put you know like a pad in there for a woman and shampoo and toothbrush and so then it was easier with them with their donations because they were just handing out these ziploc bags so i definitely think that's something i would want to do next time and um and just collect like pack you know packages of like underwear and socks for men for women for kids um because think about it they're just coming here with the what clothes they have on. on their yeah and a backpack of maybe one outfit because you can't carry that much walking through all of that um and a lot of them did have like there was a woman that was like oh do you have anything in a size six for shoes because i've been wearing this size nine 
and so I'm wearing two three socks to just to fit into the shoe and I tie it really tight and it's still really big and so we were able to we had actually a couple pairs of shoes in her size and so she was able to pick a pair out so that was nice but unfortunately the shoes do have to be new um and the clothes does have to be new because there is fines and all kinds of stuff but a lot of the people did need um you know there were a lot of the women were like i need a bra i need there was a lady that showed me her bra and it was like she had a knot tied for the strap of the bra to the other piece like holding it with like something because it had ripped and so they it's crazy because we don't think about that stuff you know like we don't think like we go into our drawer and grab a pair of underwear every time you shower or change and the simple fact that like that that's all they wanted um and and it was just little things that they wanted like i had a i met a 16 year old boy um who came here by himself um both of his brothers were killed and his father he was living with his uh grandmother his grandpa died of whatever he wasn't killed he died of you know illness um and so his grandmother um told him like you have to go because i'm not going to be here for long so i'm going to move with you know so and so and we can't feed you so you have to go and find a better life and there's we have family in the u.s go to them kind of thing so he took off he left he was from michoacan mexico and um he was 16 years old and he didn't want anything so i was like hey we have t-shirts there's jeans there's shoes like you know is there anything you need and he's like no he's like i'm okay and i was like really trying to like what do you need like talk to me kind of thing and he's like i don't need anything um and so i introduced myself we started talking he started telling me a little bit of his story and um i asked him like you know how how are you feeling like if you don't mind sharing like are you scared or how did you make the decision to just come and then he's like well i didn't want to leave but um you know my brothers were killed father was killed and there's so much violence in the part of michoacan that i'm from and my grandmother pretty much said like i can't feed you so you need to figure it out and so i just grabbed my stuff and took off and he's like and i'm just kind of waiting like i'm just waiting and hopefully i can get through and meet up with my family and work and make money and just make a living like that's all i want to do um but he didn't want anything from the donations and then uh, so you know i left him alone talked to him a little bit and then he didn't seem like he really wanted to talk so i kind of left him alone and told him thank you for sharing and then i went interacted with the kids and helped out with the donations and then he comes over and i just felt like a tap on my shoulder and he said hey do you have pen and paper and i was like like lime paper like and he's like yeah i i'd like to write like just write and i was just like wow like everything that we brought anything and everything he just wanted pen and paper and so then we made it a mission to find pen and paper because we had divided donations into like three pieces because we were going to three different shelters for the day and there was no pen and paper in the load of donations we had brought to that shelter there was like crayons and color you know color books yeah 
but we didn't think of something so simple yeah. pen and paper and so I told the other girls and the other people and I was like we need pen and paper this kid didn't want anything but pen and paper I need to find pen and paper and so we ended up finding pen and paper and um he was happy and he's like oh gracias like you know I appreciate you know you making the effort to like find it for me and then I just told him like take care of yourself and you know have faith and I hope that you can get across and be with your family because he he had no one you know I at 16 I can't even imagine that you know I'm fortunate to have both parents and you know four siblings and like to be alone trying to get into a different country not know the language and it's like this is what we're scared of this is why we want a wall this is who we're you know using these political targets as like this is wrong you know you bad hombres as he says like yeah it's ridiculous hearing a story like that how he's just probably a student probably a writer and uncapped potential and just like that's you know that's what sucks what is he asking for like you have shoes clothes whatever like what do you want what do you need and he's like no man I'm good yeah he's like no necesito nada and he told me he told me he's like I don't need anything because he's like at this shelter we could only be here for a short period of time he's like so I don't know where I'm going after this he said um if I have to stay in Tijuana I have to find a job um and a place to live or the, he would probably go to like another shelter that can house him longer um but he's waiting for a process you know he he brought all the death certificates of the people that have died in his family so he he you know he was applying for asylum but he said i don't know where i'm going so if i take any of you know that stuff he's like si agarro alguna de esas cosas nomás voy a estar cargando like i'm just gonna be carrying it and I just thought, like, wow, like, to be in that unknown, not knowing where you're going to end up next, um, it, it, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine. I've been in, in situations, you know, in childhood, I've had sort of a rough childhood, single mom, um, stepdad was deported and so i've i've lived you know wondering you know how are we going to pay rent or bills or maybe even can say i've been hungry but not to that extreme you know and i just couldn't imagine because here you you know the people around you if it's the town you grew up in your mom or family can reach out to friends and and maybe really really seek help you know and they'll help you if you really need it but it being in that situation for a lot of these people it's they don't know anything they don't know anyone um and they're coming from violent violent backgrounds they're coming from to a violent city (laughs) yeah um and a lot of them had questions it was crazy because you'd start conversation with them and they would be like oh but it was like you're the american so you're gonna be able to answer the questions to all of my worries kind of thing and so i had mothers that were like um i heard this question so much and it was so hard for me to not be able to to give them that oh no you're gonna be okay but a lot of them were asking are they gonna take my kids away and so this whole kids in cages thing is a big deal and the way 
you know, it's being heard. It should be a bigger deal here. No, it should be a bigger deal here where it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. But to them, it's their biggest fear right now. And I met women, like, with three, four kids. And they were, their biggest concern wasn't, where are we going to end up? You know, it was like, are they going to take my kids away? Now that I'm my application is there, are they going to take my kids away? And it was just really hard for me to hear them, you know, ask that question because I couldn't tell them no. I couldn't tell them you're going to be okay. I, I didn't know what to say. I just told them, Dios quiera que no. You know, uh, a lot of them were very faith and, you know, hopeful and religious and so i just kept saying like dios quiera que no and you know that they would answer well um i don't regret coming here you know i made this decision because of what i've been dealing with over there and um i'm i'm hopeful like they would just say i'm hopeful i'm hopeful and i hope that they don't separate us but they had three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. The most we saw was four, five to six-year-olds with them. Um, there was a little girl. She was so sweet. She comes up to me and she goes, you're pretty. And she just comes up to me and goes, you're really pretty. And I was just like, oh, I was like, thank you. And I was like, what's your name? And, you know, started talking with her and I had chalk and I was like, do you want to draw with me? And she goes, yeah. She was like five years old and I have a niece who's five. So it was really hard pill for me to swallow. And so I started talking to her and I was like, where are you from? And she goes, oh, I'm from El Salvador. And I was like, who who are you here with? And she said, oh, I'm here with my mom and my brother. And that's my brother over there too. He was like an older kid as well. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, are you the youngest? And she goes, yeah. And I asked her, like, um, you know, like, what do you like to do? What do you like to do for fun? And she's like, well, they're, I just like to play with whatever they, like, toys that they had there and stuff. And she um, looks at me and she goes, do you know how long we're going to be here? And I was thrown off, like, super thrown off by the question. And I said, no, um... Yeah, I called her mamacita. I was like, no, mamacita, I don't know. And I was just like, um, I was like, do you know how long you've been here? And she goes, three months and five days. It's like prison. And for a five-year-old to be counting. And I, I asked her, I said, ¿Tú cómo sabes eso? Like, how do you know that? And she said, pues, mi mami nos dice, pero, pero tenemos un calendario. Like, we have a calendar. And I just thought, I our biggest worries on the daily are what like you know we think about random things not how many more days will i be here how many more days till we get somewhere how many more days till we have stability and as a therapist i just thought oh the trauma that's that's what i was gonna tell you that's generations that's what i was gonna segue to as far as you being a therapist like we talk about you know the bullshit here the video games the action movies like oh you're you know you've heard it the it's traumatizing to the children that's why there's so much violent crime now la 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 that's all bullshit you know and yet these kids are presenting themselves you know the ones here at the concentration camps are being presented in court as like five-year-olds you know where what, what kind of legal system is is in place to allow that there's already been reports of um, inappropriate touching and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, 
I might be mistaken on this part, but I read something this weekend, but I can't verify yet that there's um, like certain hours they could go to the restroom. I have a three-year-old. She's about to be four. My daughter doesn't, if I tell her, hey, you can use the restroom between 7 a.m. and 9 a.m., she doesn't understand what that means. My niece, I'm always like, do you need to go to the bathroom before we go anywhere? She's like, no, I'm fine. And then we get there, she's like, I really need to pee. And I'm like, I just asked you. I know, but I got to go pee, please, now. Like, now. You know? And so any four, five, three-year-old, what do you mean I can't go to the bathroom right now? They're sleeping on the floor. Like, I just... It's between. It's not an actual number, but it's between $150, which is still ridiculous, to $750 a day that they're spending, that us, the taxpayers, are paying for these for-profit concentration camps to hold these children, and yet they don't have toothpaste, they don't have soap, they don't have body wash. I mean, what are they they paying? You know, it's it's all for-profit, like the prisons. These are all backhand favors that... How do we allow this to happen is what I keep telling myself. Like, we, they're, they, somebody should be held accountable because, like, I think that's how we started our conversation through social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I put that, uh, the concentration camps, and then you replied to that, and that's where this all kicked off Yeah, because we were on the same page. And then, you know, social media, I saw your account, and I saw that what you were doing. I was like, holy fuck, no wonder she's up on game. Because, you know, <laughs> a lot of people... Uh, I'm not naive that everybody has a lot going on. So some people tell me, like, I like listening to my good friend Israel's podcast episode with you because you guys were informing me about stuff that I'm oblivious to because I got so much going on in life. Mm-hmm. So having him on, like, brought up so many different topics that people were like, oh, shit, like, this is going on right now. And when I saw yours, I was like, oh, shit, no wonder she knows about all this stuff. Because a lot of people, you kind of, I post something and you'll get a few, like, hey, what does that mean? Like, what are... Like when the one I did yesterday, the seven hundred fifty dollars, I'm like, it's not an absolute number, so don't let the right wing media like disprove it. But it's between one hundred fifty and seven hundred fifty per person, so it's mm-hmm. an average. The average should be about three, four hundred, right? But if you're spending four hundred dollars a day on a person, that's what you're paying. Shouldn't they have some basic necessities? I'm not saying let them live like kings. Don't fucking put them in cages either. Yeah. Fucking. Well, I, I, go ahead. Uh, no, I I totally agree with you, and and the thing is, is like, we all this is already a big discussion of how much we spend in jails, right? Yeah. And how many people are in there for the most stupidest crimes? I understand that if you murdered and raped people and did something serious, then you deserve to be in there, and you know, do your time or whatever. But but there is people in there for getting pulled over three times with weed and now you're in there for five years or whatever it is, you know, that they did. And I'm not saying don't hold people accountable for their crimes. And I know that there has to be laws in place and all of that. But these are children, children who don't understand why they're being caged, children whose parents one day told them we're leaving. And when you're five years old, you do what your parents say. You do what your parents say, but you also question it. Where are we going? My niece is, where are we going now? Where are we going now? Why are we driving so far? You know, and so now you have four or five-year-olds that don't understand why they've been walking for three, four days. Like, there was a mother who told me where she came from, and, you know, she said, I was like, how long did it take you guys? And she said, uh, four days and five nights. Or, sorry, five nights, four nights and five days. And, um, 
And so these kids are wondering why the hell have I been walking or arriving in strange places that I don't know or hiding or, you know, sleeping on the floor in comparison to whatever they had at home. I'm sure their situation wasn't good at home. I'm not saying they had a two-story casa with, you know, a really nice bed. But in comparison to whatever they Stability. must have had, they don't understand. You know, they just don't understand. And so now they're arriving at these um, camps or shelters. And th especially in the camps and the shelters, they have the freedom to be outside. Because these are the people that have applied and are waiting. But these shelters don't have anything. Um, I have a picture that I took of a kitchen. And I can share it. And you can post it. Um, I got permission from the uh, shelter to take a picture. And it... It's a small kitchen with like this shelf that's made of just a thin wood piece. And then there's a really tiny stove and it's supposed to cook and feed more than 150 people. But it looks like it's falling apart. Like it literally looks like you put one thing on that shelf and it's going to fall. And so it was just they don't have the money. One of the priests or he's a pastor, sorry, that ran one of the shelters, he was crying. He was crying because I guess we, we're the organization that has brought the most donations in a while. Um, and so he was crying, and he just said, you know, God bless you guys. Thank you so much. And it was just crazy to see, you know, how especially in Tijuana, these shelters don't have funding compared to some of the shelters we have here. We already have that issue in America where there isn't enough funding and our homeless um, community is only increasing, you know, but there they really don't have anything. And so when they said, you know, donate food, all they want is rice, beans, and a big thing of sopa. Like, you don't need to bring them meat. You don't need to bring them anything that is you know that's all they wanted like oh bring us costales the rice and beans next time because we asked them what would you like for us to bring next time and they're like pues comida y calzones y calcetines like it was the simple stuff and we can go into our pantry and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you and i right now can be like hey you want a steak let's go get some food like we can have a burger we can have these things and they just want the simple simple simplest thing just to eat and so it was just it it's so it's so dehumanizing um to these people it's the kids are even though they had such a wonderful spirit still they were laughing they were giggling they were coloring you know um with us and interacting but i, I can't imagine having that much stress at three four five six years old or even as a teenager that 16 year old boy like all he She's has aware. known is mexico yeah. he's 16 i'm sure he had friends i'm sure he had you know family and not not only that but like he's had these deaths in his family and then his grandma just telling him you have to go and he told me his brother died May it was like late May and then the 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 last brother that was killed was late May and his grandma was like you have to go so he hasn't even had that process to grieve that time no coping, to grieve no grieving is goes in stages you know and yeah. so you can't even stop and 
cry because you have to figure out what you have to do next and to take off on his own and I mean I get it his grandma couldn't come with him I'm not saying oh why'd they let him go alone no but like it was it took so much of him to just get his things and go by himself and watching him sit there like he was just watching you know we all arrive and the kids the kids run up to you right away and they're like trying to hola como te llamas some of them were like do you have a phone i want to watch youtube or things like that and we couldn't give them our cell phone we couldn't give them cash or anything um but they the kids were happy to see other people and so he was one of the people that caught my eye because he was just kind of sitting back and just kind of watching and I'm sure a lot of them think like oh these gringos are coming here giving us their you know leftovers kind of thing because there's some people that looked angry I'm not gonna lie there's some people that would just kind of watch us like oh we don't want any of your shit like you know because it's that pride of like you're here to be little me you're here to give me your leftovers um but you don't understand me and so i kind of got a little bit of that vibe from him when i first went up to him because he was just like oh no no necesito nada like a little bit of attitude like i don't need shit from you but i have teenage brothers and i can imagine how he must feel and that feeling of like i don't have anything and who the hell are you to come here um and think you understand me but once i got to talking with him and we connected because my stepdad is from michoacan um and my stepdad was actually killed in violence in michoacan um after a couple of years of being out there he was also deported and so i told him oh you know i i i've been to michoacan a couple of times when i was younger um I can't imagine the violence that's going on there, but I, I was like, you know, my stepdad was from there, and he was unfortunately a victim of that, and so then that's when he started opening up and was like, yeah, well, my dad was killed, my brothers were killed, and and he just was like, but I don't need anything, thank you, because I don't know where I'm going next, and I don't know where I'm, what I'm gonna take with my like with me and I was just like okay and so when he came up to me and wanted just pen and paper I did whatever it took you made to your find mission. that yeah. pen and paper yeah uh, it's, it's such unfortunate thing because you know this goes around happens all around the world right and when it makes big news like oh this is what's going on in China communist China they're doing this or you're like oh damn those commies they gotta protect their people they gotta take care of their people and this is I'm from Mexico I was born there these are our neighbors. These are our people. El Monte. I lived there for 29 years, like I was telling you. It's like 75% Mexican. And there isn't your city. And Amani, or was, I don't know. Yeah, they, they still, still are. are. Yeah, yeah, they just put some, the mayor put something yesterday uh, that, you know, they, they will not um, assist ICE or anything like that. You know, they go by the law and, because ICE can't just, that's another thing I want to get into, you know, but like, ICE can't just come and get you. They you have to have a warrant like a warrant is signed by a judge and ice warrants are not signed by a judge so mm -hmm. it's not a, even though it's an official document it's not it won't stand up in court but if you don't know your rights and i that's what i was doing the research on too you know i told you like i'm a i don't research much i just kind of like read what i like and then, and then i learned that way into it mm -hmm. but then for this one i was like okay she's gonna come with no, and I, and bang, I don't so I gotta have be ready. much. No, okay. I don't have much but, on the topic for you. I'm no, no, no. But, but just like I was like, okay, so I was like the last two, three days just browsing different websites, reading, and you know, all stuff that I do. I've talked about it before. I do verify. I look for the source. That's why when I put that thing yesterday, I, I followed it up with like immigration is 
coming way down, way down. There's more people going to Mexico than coming this way. And these aren't opinions. These are facts. Like, people are choosing to ignore facts in favor of their opinions. And the people coming over here, yes, they still almost sneak in, right? Some people, some bad apples, as they say. Well, that's in anything. In any community, there's a few bad apples. Some people will play the part and get here and then do trouble. Yes. But what and about that's all the rest of another big topic that we can get into and probably be here for hours. But honestly, why is there those bad apples? Oh, that's If sucks. you were traumatized for the yeah. your entire life, you come from poverty, all you know is... I need to find a way to survive. And if it's killing and robbing, I, it's not the right thing to do. But some of them, that's their last that's option. That's survival. That's how they survive. Why do we have in these, you know, areas, urban areas in L.A., oh, gang members and this. It's at an all-time high and the violence. But all those kids knew was that. They come from generations of trying to survive. And sometimes selling some dope is the only way that's to survive. All you know. That's all so, you know. Yes, and not saying, oh, every, you know, let them go, let them be free. No, I get it. But, like, we have to look as human beings, what led to this? Why is our homelessness at, a, at an all-time high? Why are, in this, why are we in this huge um, drug use, at, you know, epidemic that's going on why are our kids still turning to gangs for that support for that financial stability why are we still you know having 16 year old drug dealers or 15 year old why is this happening I I, I say it every time as human beings where have we failed and one of the things that one of the um, uh, volunteers that goes every he lives in san diego um that's where i'll actually be relocating for this new job and so i was telling him about that he's like yeah i live here i do this once a month and um he was a white man older in his 50s um had a camera he was like photographing and stuff like that and he says you know i'm i he would ask for permission before taking pictures of the kids and stuff but he was like i'm doing this because we are the people that need to put it out there like we are the people that need to show the rest of americans that have no idea what's going on and just hear what's on the news what this is really like these children are as wonderful and as happy and as great as our neighbor's children they're they're not criminals they're five-year-olds they're eight-year-olds they're even 16 year olds and they're not coming with the mentality of like oh i want to take advantage of the system um you know they're not they don't have that mentality and that trump has put that out there that that's what they're coming with but they're just coming because they want to get away because they want to survive a lot of them said i'd be okay staying here in tijuana i i i'm open to go to the united states but i'd be okay staying here in tijuana but tijuana is just as poor tijuana is just as violent it's the most violent city in the world right now right now so they know that and so they're like if tijuana was safe i'd be okay staying here if my country was safe i would have been fine there i don't i didn't wake up thinking oh i want to go to america because everyone wants to fucking be here half of us don't even want to be here anymore because of the shit that's happening we know we're privileged we know we we have way more than other places but so they, they're not coming with that mentality, you know. And so he, the I asked the guy, you know, he's like, I do this once a month and all this stuff. And I, I told him, I said, well, thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. I use the word work. And he corrected me, not, you know, rudely or anything. But he said, I don't consider this work. 
and I was just like, and I was like, oh, well, you know what I meant, like, you know, and then he's like, no, I understand, but here's the thing, he's like, I really have not, like, at first I volunteered because I felt, oh, I just kind of need something to do. Like, he's like, I'm not going to lie. I just thought I need something to do and I want to get involved. And where can I get involved? Because he was like, I also volunteer at, like, home, homeless shelters and stuff like that. I'm assuming he's retired because he sounded like he had a lot of time, but we didn't go into that. Um, he said, but now I just feel like it's my duty as a human being. He's like, as a Christian, as because he was Christian, he's like, as just a human being, it's our duty to be here for each other, to help each other out. Because when we go, he said, when me, I'm the old man, he said it like that. He's like, when I go, because I'll go before you, he's like, but when we go, what are we leaving behind? And so th- this is, this, what's going down right now um, is something that has, you know, grew from generations and it's the damage that we've done we can again get into it and it'll probably go forever but america did this to guatemala they did salvador, this to el salvador colombia did this to we're trying colombia. to do it to venezuela right we're now doing it to venezuela we did it to mexico uh, and if we want to go into the middle east we did that, that. To iraq iran syria we did that and so we're not taking responsibility and i hear this from some of the younger generations that all get into conversations well i didn't do it we I, I as a society it. we as I a people it. we didn't do it i can sit here and be like well i didn't do it it was my ancestor so why should i give a shit but this is what they left us and so what sucks is they did this and now they're dead and then the, we're dealing with it but how are we gonna fix it what are we gonna do to help I'm not saying that America should be responsible for, you know, making Mexico go from a third world country to a, you know, to ideal like us. Or we don't have, like, I'm not saying we have to go into Guatemala and put all this money into them. But we need, we need to figure out how we're, we need to help. Because if we can't afford them here, if that's just as true as they claim that we can't afford them here, then we need to see how we can go in there and help. How we can build, you know, communities for them and safety so that they don't have to come here. But so that they can also go to bed at night and be okay and not wonder, like, will I be dead tomorrow? You know, and a lot of the families had the same, same experiences, same stories. They're running from violence. They were hungry. You know, they, a girl, she was 24. She shared with me that she was um, kidnapped. She was kidnapped, going to work one day, kidnapped. Um, She met a man, a part of the kidnappers who shared with her that, he was only a part of that because he was being threatened either you roll with us or we kill your entire family but he helped her escape he got her a phone told her how to get out and was like if they catch you you don't name me you didn't know me because i will be dead and so will my family but i'm helping you helped her escape she went back to her her family went back to her home they knew where she lived they you know had been eyeballing her kind of thing and caught her walking alone i don't know how they choose people that they're gonna kidnap but 
um, they went back to her house. Her family had to hide her, and they're like, oh, we know she's here, blah, blah, blah. And the family was like, no, she's not. Like, we, we haven't heard from her anything. And then they told the family, you have 72 hours to get her back to us. That pride of, like, we need her because we she got away from us. So either you get her back to us or we're going to come and you all die. And so the family got up and left. It was her, her two sisters, her little brother, um, one of their daughters, and uh, the mother and the grandmother. No men in the home. Father left at a young age or whatever. Like, there was just no father figure. So it was all of them got their shit and left because they're all these women and one little brother, I think he was like 12 or 13, are being threatened that you're going to die. So you leave your house, you leave the little bit that you have there, because um, she said, we didn't have much, we were really poor, um, but you leave it and you go. Another family shared with me that um, they owned a little a little store, like a little liquor store, or concession store, um, and they were taxing them. The, you know they were like we need you need to give us money or this property is ours and they're like we don't have anything to give you like we don't have anything um a couple that runs it gets slaughtered murdered mother goes to the store sees that they're dead grabs her nephew or uh, sorry her grandson takes off because that's all she could do it was her and her grandson and the parents of the grandson now the kid was like i don't know five six years old so he probably will be able to grow up with some stability if they can find that and maybe not remember that his parents were murdered but he's gonna ask where are my parents what happened yeah and she said he's been asking me every night when am i gonna see mommy and puppy when am i gonna see mommy and puppy and the lady shared with me she's like i still have the image i have nightmares my son was surrounded by blood and over the little counter where people go and pay was his wife and they murdered them and i know that it was because we didn't have any money to give the extortion they were being extorted and they didn't have money to pay we didn't have money and so you heard so many stories like this and i just can't i can't imagine what what i tell people is like okay i lived in monte for 29 years and i have that's my life right i I continue to work out here so I could importantly number one obviously is my daughter but my social circle is out here and you know obviously I'm an adult so I could do it on my own but I, I wanted that camaraderie you know that's something I missed I'm a social person and I was like dude I need my friends in my life But so just a little background right and imagine I had to be like hey we need to go to Canada grab my daughter like we're leaving right now and let's say we go to the French Canadian like they don't speak English they, mm-hmm. And we, we're leaving right now. Like, there's no car. There's no nothing. We're walking that way. We're going to go over there and leave everything you love. Leave everyone. You can't tell people where you're going because they'll come and ask. I don't like sharing the story. I, I just give the minor details because I, I don't have their permission. I haven't asked. I don't want to ask. I have family right now hiding here in the U.S. Literally got here, like, in August. Same thing. Kidnapped. They, they got away because the newspaper got involved like media got involved and so they allowed them they were oh wow they, we found them over here like no they were kidnapped and so they came they got political asylum because it was such a big deal in the part of where I'm from mm-hmm. so that they got the political asylum fairly quick now they're like threatened deportation and everything and it's like they can't work 
they can't do anything because they're on like house arrest. And when I talked to them, I was like, what do you want to do out here? And they're like, I don't want to be out here, dude. Like, I want to go back to my town. Like, all my friends are there, my school, my, my work, everything is there. Like, I'm not here by choice. Like, as great as America is, this isn't my home. My home is over there. And but it will never be home for many of these people. And if I go home, I'll get killed. They just adjust. That's what it is. They adjust. They don't come here to take anything from anybody. I, you know, I come from, my mother was an immigrant. My, I didn't grow up with my biological dad, but my stepdad was an immigrant. Um, I knew the fear that firsthand, you know, I, I knew that my, when my mom would drive was like, put your seatbelts on because I don't have a driver's license. She passed and, um, died a citizen, but it took her years. It took her years to do all of that. And so you hear, Oh, well, why don't they do it the right way? And why don't it I, I've been doing it the right way for 29 years and I'm still not there. You can, I speak the language, language I, and you grew up here and this is home for you. And you went to school here. Yeah, exactly. And I'm still not even halfway through the process. And that's what I'm saying. Like, so quote unquote, I'm doing it the right way. I pay taxes. Mm-hmm. I started a business here. I've, I went to college, not for long, but I went to college. I've mm-hmm. done what is asked of us, and it's still not good enough. And I know there's more people out there doing much more. Whatever. Well, I would say, I like, yeah, they deserve it. I'm not a, not an idiot. You know, I could see that. But you hold us to such a high standard, like we have to be the perfect person to fit the system, and yet it's like half of these Americans aren't perfect. Exactly. I, I, I told a few people, like, it's funny because. Do you know the amendments? Do you know the Bill of Rights? And they're like, what, what is that? And you're like, oh, so you were born 20 miles north of where I was, but that makes you a better person. Like you, I didn't choose to be born in Mexico. I'm not complaining. I'm proud to be Mexican. Mm-hmm. I'm proud to live in America. But you see the proud Texan, the proud California. Like, oh, you were born there. Like, I didn't choose. they don't know who our first president was. Yeah. They don't know the history. And they don't give a shit, probably, but... It's my land. They're taking my job. When they're you take the test, you should know. And I actually... I have a friend who's a, a lawyer, and he was saying that he um, took the questionnaire or whatever for the citizenship, you know, the test that they have to take, um, just to be funny with a couple of friends and had them take it. And they all they failed did, yeah. it. <laughs> it's, 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 <laughs> Americans who failed the citizenship test that these immigrants are supposed to know. And in English, I think the law just passed maybe two years ago where you could take it in a different language. But my dad took it in English, and yeah. like, he don't speak English. And my mother did too. And it's like, that's how is this fair? Like, oh, that's an American. Is that the native tongue? Like, you can only do things in English. And like, that's a popular thing you hear right now. Like, uh, speak speak English. We, we speak English here. We speak American. I had a lady tell me we speak American. I was like, it's actually English, ma'am. I'm an educated woman, and I'm going to continue to speak Spanish up in this fucking graduation because my tia sitting next to me and that's all she speaks so that's what we're speaking so turn around before i give you some like i was so i was at my cousin's graduation and there was a older you know white couple sitting in front of us and it, i was talking to my tia my tia had just arrived from texas so we were talking in spanish because i was like oh tia y esto y el otro and the lady kept going oh oh like would turn around with a big old breathing and finally i just like looked at her and i said is there a problem ma'am and she goes we speak american here and i was like it's actually we speak english here but we no longer just speak english here because you need to catch up 
there's so many of us that are bilingual and I was like and this is the best way that I can communicate with my aunt and my aunt was just sitting there like Mija why are you yeah, doing yeah. this I'm proud and of I was you just good like, job so this is the language I'm going to speak I was like so go ahead and turn around and whatever it is that you were doing um, until the graduation starts and, and she just looked at me like how dare this little bitch tell me this but I was like I- I'm sorry I-, I was talking to my brothers about this growing up I don't remember seeing many, I don't even know what the language, so I don't want to like disrespect any, but I don't remember seeing like Asian billboards up. And now on the freeway, like on the 60, on the 10, I see like just in whatever language it is, I think it's Chinese, but uh, that's just an assumption. And I'm like, I don't remember that. So it's like, I'm not complaining. I don't mean it that way. I mean, there's so many languages here. You see the Pepsi commercial, I think it was Coke, like they had the Arabic, English, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, French, and it's like... There's so many people here. Now. Isn't that what's beautiful? That, isn't that what makes America and great? And this is what we are. Yeah. And the so, to, to, so for people to still have that mentality of like, this is what I do. Maybe in the 1980s, predominantly it was English. But now it's like, I, I, I would still say it's the number one language spoken. But most people are now bilingual, even if it's not Spanish. Well, there's people that their first and only language is English but even them their little kids are in preschools where they're teaching them Spanish and Mandarin Spanish and Chinese Spanish and some other you know Portuguese Spanish and this those dual language preschools are on the rise elementary my niece's school from first to fifth grade you have the option of having your child in these dual language classes because they understand the importance of being bilingual these are people that are realizing um my child is gonna make more money if they speak another language as a therapist my offer that i got for this job is twelve thousand more dollars a year than your um monolingual english therapist and it's just because I speak Spanish. Mi español es mucho a la madre because I don't talk it every day. But I got a huge offer in comparison to the therapist that probably applied for the same position with just one language. I have that advantage. And if I said I also speak Mandarin, guess what? Probably would have been another 10 because the fact that there's so many people here that speak other languages. And so... I'm sorry, but if they can't adjust to that, then fuck them. They're jealous because they don't speak another language. I, I, sh- I share the story about my dad because my dad's very bossy, very like me. His English is, I wouldn't say terrible, but it's more terrible than it is good. And when we go out to dinner, my dad is like, in his butchered English, he'll just, I'll take my steak, well done, with the Coke, mashed potatoes. And, you know, some waiters do look at us a little funky. Like, and I speak great English. I could order for him, and my dad won't allow it. It's not just a pride. It's like, this is the only way I'll learn. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I remember being younger and telling my dad, like, not to say just white people, people that just speak one language. Like, you're learning a second language as an adult. Like, this is hard. Like, tell somebody to learn Spanish as an adult. It's like, what the fuck? Like, what's this enye? What? Why do you have two R's and the L? Like, there's two of them. They like, can't roll their R's. And it, I told him, like, you're what you're doing is amazing even though and now he's like very confident in his English like he'll order like you know for my mom for himself and I'm like remember when you were scared and I was never scared I was just a little shy and it's like <laughs> to see that 
mentality, you know, and I told him, like, he, he doesn't need to learn English. He's already been here for fucking 30 years. Mm -hmm. he, he's doing great without it. But just to be able to, I'm going to learn the language because I need to communicate my ideas better with some of my coworkers. Because he, same thing, where he works at, like, predominantly Caucasian, I'd say about 95%. Mm -hmm. It's a union job. So when they go on strike, he's out there, like, on the front lines, like, and they're like, dude, like, you're very passionate about this. Like, yeah, like, this is my job, this is my career, this is what we got to do. And they're like, hey, you're not that bad of a guy yourself. Like, you you love your family. You don't splurge, what's the word, splurge on yourself. Like, you drive a modest car. Mm -hmm. Like, it, you give everything to your family. Like, you're just like me. And it's like, exactly, except I'm brown. And you're not... And that doesn't make me a less person than you are. I can vote now. I can do anything you can do. Yeah. And I don't think I'm better than you. Mm -hmm. I just think that we're on the same page. And me sharing my thoughts with you, like, because they'll, they'll ask him, right? And, like, he's, that's why he wanted to learn English, because sometimes he couldn't get his message across. Yeah. And now he, they, they see him, and they're like, what do you think about this caravan? Like, la, 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 la. And, like, isn't that bad? Like, they're all taking Mexico. Like, like, no, like, there are people running for their life. Like, this is... As a Mexican, you know, I'd love to help them out in any way I can. We, you know, my, I guess his mother-in-law, my grandmother, you know, lives in TJ. That's why I know so much about it. Like, it's the worst city in the world. They're not at war. All these Syria attacks and all that, in Mexico is worse. There's more deaths per capita. There's more deaths per day mm -hmm. than countries at war, which is ridiculous. And for people to just disregard it like, as a language, you know, just like, mm, I don't need it. Or if they want to think their kids will need it. They're in the wrong. And it's just that mentality of like, it's my way. Like, mm -hmm. th your way is going to change. And if they fail the to thing adapt. Is that they're, they're afraid. They're, think about it. And I'm sorry for these white folks listening, but they ain't got no culture. <laughs> they don't have anything. And a lot of the things that they have, for example, country music. Look at the history started with the African Americans or started with the slaves um, food southern food also started with, with the black community they love Mexican food they party for Cinco de Mayo they don't have anything to their name but being white but having the higher you know hands for being white and so then this brown educated person comes or you get a black president and it's threatening to the little bit that they have and so that's what it is that's all it is it's a fear it's a fear of like i have it the easy way mixing. and yet you're here with me yeah I, i've met a few um older caucasian people like through my business not my business but through my lines of work and i remember one time i don't i know who didn't mean to offend me but i didn't take it at being offended but he told me like you speak great for a brown man and i told him like how am i supposed to speak like in your mind how was i supposed to sound and he just like took it like oh fuck like, that's not what i meant and i'm like, no, i understand what you're saying but like what, do you stereotype and say hey like make that assumption like he's gonna have a thick accent he's not gonna you know speak the language and he was from the east coast north carolina and so he had that it's, it's still south i guess it's considered mm -hmm. south and so he had that accent, and he goes, you don't have, like, a southern... I've heard that I do have an accent, like, and I've heard that I don't. And I go, I just speak the language the way it's supposed to be spoken. Like, I don't add anything to it, because, you know, he had There's his little... English in there. No, of course. I, I, I try not to just, cause, yeah. you know... I like your your whole thing, your podcast, Banglish. That's pretty cool. Because I, I, 
I literally, as you have heard in this conversation, I speak English and Spanish. Sometimes I want to say the word in Spanish and it just comes out. So I was like, I'm Spanglish. That's who I am. It's, it's crazy. But great segue. You were talking about therapy. How did that start? Why did you start? Everything. I will, we got time. I want to hear it. The listeners do too. Um, you said your podcast hasn't really been about you. So share whatever you want to share. And I'll, if I have if questions come up, I'll bring them up. But I don't have like, it's not an interview, so I don't want to be like, oh, what do you think? But just how did it start? Why did it start? So I'm a big believer of we're here with a purpose. I'm a big believer that as human beings we need to find a purpose or we should find some kind of purpose and voice um so i can answer with saying that i feel this is my purpose i feel that um being a therapist helping others is what i was put on this earth to do it's the thing that drives me it i'm passionate about helping others um and it's what makes me happy. Um, but so when I was younger, middle school, I was a part of this thing called Link Crew. Um, and it was like eighth grade middle schoolers um, being, you know, role models or leaders of middle school for the sixth and seventh graders. And so um, they kind of team us up like little sisters. A big sister little you know little sister have you heard of that yeah. like program big brother that? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. and so they team us up with like sixth graders seventh graders and so it was more of like giving them guidance through like schooling and helping with tutoring and things like that but link crew became a more of a therapeutic thing like there was sixth graders or seventh graders sharing like stuff they were going through at home or we would be the mediators when there was drama or like a fight or something like that um and so that's where I started um and I knew like I just have always it's in my blood I've I've had this like passion to like help others um I also think that being involved in school was sort of my escape from my childhood um, and all the hard times and so I was in every club you could think of I was in dance team and um, I was a water girl for the football team like I was you name it I was involved uh, leadership uh, renaissance ASB the the rallies that was me you know being a part of all of that Um, and so it was my escape but it, it became my passion it became my passion I you know surrounded myself with other people that that were into that um the leadership uh teacher slash you know leader of renaissance at my high school became my mentor we're still friends till this day she helped me my godfather who's also a teacher there um helped me apply for college i've had a lot of great role models and helpers through my the high school journey um but I knew this is what I wanted to do. So, but I did change uh, mentality a couple times. So, when I went into school in undergrad, I was a I declared a sociology major with a minor in criminology. So I wanted to get into the um, 
you know, criminal justice system and help, you know, with the those who are incarcerated um, because my stepfather was incarcerated for a little bit and then deported. And so I was like, okay, you know, like I had a passion for that. Um, I went through the application system, actually, um, for L.A. sheriffs and almost got to the very end, um, the academy, and ended up talking to one of the um, chief officers about he asked me why I wanted to be a cop and I said I don't want to be a cop <laughs> and he's like wait what like why are you doing this why, why? and then I was like well I don't want to be a cop but I'm being a I'm applying to be a cop to get my foot in the door my ultimate goal is to um be a criminal psychologist and to get in there and be the the support that these inmates need and so he's like uh well you're wasting your time kind of gave me like a by the time you get through this process and the police academy you know you'll be done with your bachelor's and you need a master's for to be a therapist in our system so just stick to school like don't be a cop um and so he just kind of talked me through like what the process would be how much time i would have to put you know being a cop and doing this till I can move up and all this stuff. And so I had like this different idea of like why I was doing it or thought, oh, I, if I'm a cop, I'll get my foot in the door. And at the time, my mom had cancer. And so I was head of household and I'm like, I could really use whatever cop money and benefits they have for my family. So then I said, OK, never mind. Um, and so then, you know, I continued school, got my AA quit school for a little bit um to take care of my mom and my family went back after she passed got my bachelor's and then just recently graduated with my master's in clinical psychology from Pepperdine University and I got my bachelor's from Dominguez Hills congrats um thank you so I went from sociology criminal I still have an AA in criminology um or criminal justice I pretty much could have an AA in sociology I think I just didn't declare it or ask for it um, transferred over and um, got my bachelor's in psychology and then just did clinical psychology at Pepperdine um, but that's how I got into it um, I'm still finding my you know hook I, d I don't know if I so during my internship um I've been working with kids for years. I was kind of like a behavioral therapist um, for a while. I've been, sorry. It's fine. I've been a therapist. Um, sorry, like a behavioral therapist for this uh, company. I've been a nanny. I've worked with kids for a while. So um, in my internship, I told my mentor at Pepperdine, I don't want to work with kids because I feel like I've already done it. So I wanted to try something new. So I did my internship for a year and a half or so um, with the chronically mentally ill. So I got to see um, bipolar, schizophrenia, um, per personality disorders, um, addiction that has led to psychosis. I got to see all of that firsthand. I was at a crisis center, so everyone there was 5150'd. Um, which is clinically insane yeah clinically insane or hold for um there they were either a danger to themselves or to others um i got to just kind of 
learn more about that and now the uh, job position I was offered I'll be working with a lot of the military community because it's in San Diego um, and for I'll be a bilingual therapist there so there will be some of the um, immigrant community that are in like the shelters and homes in San Diego um, and I'll be working with families, kids, and individuals. Um, so I'll see a lot of trauma and just kind of see where that goes. Um, I have a passion for all of it. I used to be like, oh, I want to be a couples therapist. Um, and I still think I'm pretty good at them, at that. Like, I'm the relationship advisor kind of thing with friends and stuff. Um, but I, I just have a, a passion for helping others that's where my advocacy comes from that's where this podcast came from that's where it all comes from because I feel I have an advantage as an educated Latina I have an advantage as a bilingual Latina and I need to be that voice for my community and whatever in any way possible you know and so that's what drives it that's awesome um, it's a great segue to the podcast but I don't want to get there just yet I don't mean to like I'm not saying share the stories of the people but I mean how is it dealing with people you know because you hear their worst they don't go in there and tell you oh this time at Disneyland I had such a great they go and tell you their worst how does that affect you on a day to day basis mental health alone has this huge stigma that hovers over it Um, you know going a little bit into like our um, community of homeless it a lot of them are have dealt with trauma a lot of them are mentally ill at least over 75% of our homeless community is mentally ill and um, a lot of them are addicts and you know some of the population of that now are people who don't have a home because of our high rents and stuff but a lot of them are you know at their very worst and so even I didn't know mental health to the level that I know it now um, after working at this place and seeing being a part of them and really just getting that first hand experience made me realize like even how much more stigma is around them those with chronic mental illness and I understand that there has been situations where someone with a chronic mental illness will have a manic episode and do something where they've harmed a person or where they've done something to scare others I get that it's scary to walk in LA and you know you're I get it if I was walking in LA in an area where it's all homelessness and I'm one woman by myself, I'm going to be afraid. You, it's kind of, you know, natural to be like, okay, am I in danger or I got to be on the lookout, but they're just also just humans. And I think we forget that it, when, with immigrants, with the homeless, with those in poverty, we forget that we're all just humans. And some of us just have dealt with worse things we have worse histories we have stories and trauma that unfortunately has led um to some of that mental mental illness and so a lot of them had 
like never met their parents from one shelter to the other from one foster home to the other um i've had patients who have seen rape and trauma since they were five you know and so they've been abused they've been neglected um and some of them were just your average teacher that suddenly you know started having symptoms of bipolar of schizophrenia and they're just trying to find the balance of their life again um chronic mental illness is is still very misunderstood even from the professionals we don't know there is no this is what causes schizophrenia there's there is no this is what causes cause you know to you for you to be bipolar there's no one medicine that works for every patient some of them will be like guinea pigs and they'll be like this is my fifth different medication and i'm still manic and i still hear voices and i still feel certain things and so being around them is is so eye-opening on how much a lot of them need us but that stigma is still so big that they don't have enough help there's not enough centers we've had patients that okay so where i was intern it's a 72 hour hold right 72 hour hold and then they do what they can to help them to get them into a shelter if they're homeless or to get them into a rehab if they're you know addicts or whatever it is but a lot of them are waiting because even here in the United States there's not enough shelters there's not enough centers there's not enough rehabilitation um, places that have beds available so then they're waiting or then they get you know as adults they have the right to their own you know whatever it is that they want so some of them will be like I just want to leave so they'll go back to being homeless or you know you hear people all the time well if they would just take their medication they'll be fine some of them are homeless they can't afford the medication or they can't remember to go pick up the medication and that goes into our health system you know and so mr trickle down economics yeah and so it's just it's all of that it's really all of that and and everybody has a different story everybody has a different reason why they've ended up where they've ended up um I have a family member very close to me that is at a hospital right now. And so there's because there's been so much trauma in his life. And so he fell into drugs. He fell into all these things. And now he's there. And so it's just it's it's hard to understand each person's experience, I guess you could say story and reason why their life has ended up this way. And some of them are just addicts that could maybe be better if they would quit but they're also addicts that have dealt with trauma and poverty and so all they've known is meth for the past eight years or all they've known is you know whatever it is that they're addicted to so they all just have different stories um but again just going back and tying it all together i think we need to look look out for each other more as human beings um like you said all those centers were closed back then and that's part of the big reason why our homeless community is at an all-time high so what do we got to do now today's generation today's people we need to open more there's so many properties out there that are abandoned i don't i don't know where we have to build them 
I don't know, build a whole city, do something, but we need to find a way to help and, and, you know, take care of also what's going on here in the United States. Our homeless community is, is at an all time high. I was actually reading that, um, in just 2018, from 2018 to 2019 in California, um, our homeless population went up 17%. That's crazy. Yes. It's it's ridiculous, and there's children out there, and there's full-on families. Yes, there's addicts, and those with you know mental illness that have been there for years. But if you drive through these streets, there's an entire like community on the sidewalk, and their houses are these tents. And yes, some some of them choose to be out there. Some of them, that's all they've known. But we have to find a way to clean it up. We have to find a way to give them some kind of roof over their head. Because, especially when the young ones that are out there, the children are only going to fall into the same thing. They're only going to fall into the same drugs because that's all that's available. You know, that's all they know. So I, I don't know what the answer is, but there's more vacant houses in the United States than there are homeless people. Exactly. And I've said it before. We don't need to give them. We don't need to give them a brand new house. I get that, but make affordable housing so that the people that are working living now could get a better home and now suddenly these places are going to need to be rented so the prices will drop now the homeless people i'm not saying give them fucking rent for 10 years but okay six months free get back on your feet come in we need that's a thriving society yeah they're exactly it can be a cycle it can be some kind of system you know we will only house you for six months you have six months to find a job you have six but i mean think about it Oh, that man could find a job if he really looked. Are you really going to give a job to someone that smells and his hair is all gross and his clothes is dirty? No. What do they tell you when you walk in? I tell my little brother this all the time. He's looking for a job now. I'm like, make sure you're nice and clean. Have your resumes ready. Walk in. Be like, hi, my name is blah, blah, blah. I'm here, you know, looking for a job. Can I leave you my resume? If a homeless person did that, the person's going to look at them and go, okay, thank you they're not gonna call them you know and so that oh they could find a job they could find no they cannot because we are just as judgmental as the next person and if somebody walks into your business and really genuinely is asking for a job but they're dirty or they look a certain way you're not going to give it to them and so we people have all these responses. Oh, they could find a job. They could figure it out. They shouldn't had. They shouldn't have had so many kids. But really, like, you're not going to give them a job. You're not going to help. You know, like it. It, it, so it goes back to the whole compassion thing. Like, you want them to do better, but you won't help them be better. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a terrible saying. But like, throw them a bone. Throw the guy a bone. Give them something. Some type of hope. Give them that hope. Just giving them hope, like, okay, there's a better tomorrow. Yeah, this job sucks, but at least now I got fucking food for today. Yeah, this job sucks, but at least I'm in AC for eight hours because I'm here at work. Not fucking standing on the side of the street, pretty much begging for money. Because you're, you know, I, I talked with Duran. Like, you can't give every single person every single time. No matter how much you make or how much you have. Yeah. Like, not every single time. And it boils down to, well, I mean, with the homelessness, it, I say nobody chooses to be homeless because even if you choose drugs or whatever you choose the drugs because being at your home you deal with. Yeah. and then 
when you run out of money for rent, that's when you go homeless. But if you could do drugs at your home, they'd be doing it at home. So, I, and it can happen to you. That's what I always tell people. I've met businessmen that lost everything. I talk about this mechanic that I met in a drug program. He was like making a hundred k a year. Hired some guy, bad influence. They started with coke. They would drink like you know they have a couple of beers every night. Started with coke, got into meth. Meth overtook his life. He lost his business, lost his family, lost his cars, his boat, everything, everything. He lost everything. It was. And I remember like honest guy. People opened up to me for some reason, and he was telling me like, if I could go back to that. I'd be doing it because for like two years I was still thriving and I was getting to like party you know but he goes but I can't because I know where it leads to like I've been homeless for like six months and I I just said one day like what the fuck dude like I had a two story home with the pool and everything and now I'm over here like I haven't showered like in two weeks and that's when he said I need to stop this like and some people never get to that point like where I've come down too far like when he went homeless he was like mm only a day i'll be back tomorrow and like oh it's only a week and then you learn to adapt you know that's what us humans do we survive mm-hmm. two months later you're like this is cool dude like i don't gotta worry about bills i don't got nothing i just gotta get the next fix or they're in so deep that that's all they know that's all they know and it's like you said the children that's all they know i had a patient tell me you know um he was latino construction worker made good money got into code went to math you know and it's now he was now hearing voices and but he was still like in denial like i'm not an addict i just do it sometimes and you know that was kind of his mentality but i was just like well have you thought of these sometimes um because he had just lost his job and all this stuff um, and so he had like a suicide attempt and that's how he ended up in there. But he, I was like, you know, okay, so you see, you're telling me you're not an addict and you just do it sometimes. And so I brought him like brochures and stuff. And I was like, you know, rehab so that these sometimes could become no times. And so you can get a job and go, go back to, you know, the life that you had. And then um, after a couple of days that he was in there, he finally told me, I don't think I even know how I would quit. Like, it's become so much a part of him and how he functions that he was like, I don't know how I would quit. I don't even know. It's scary to think of quitting because of what it's going to do to their body, what it's going to do to their mind. They don't know another life. Some of them don't know another life. And you know what I mean? And yeah. if we That's if all we you know. You do what you know. Gang yeah. life. Yeah. You, you grew up in that you, community. You, you talk to some of them and they'll be like, this is what I know. My grandpa was a gangster, my dad's a gangster, and I'm a gangster. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is the life I've known. Um, you know, if if you know suburb life, if you know being rich and having a nice home, that's what you know. So, yeah, you you might not fall into the same things that the kid that lives in Compton fell into because he didn't know your life. You know, and you didn't know his or hers. And so, you know, that saying, like, allow yourself to even imagine, you know, what it's like walking in some of these people's shoes and what they've dealt with, um, what they've had to do to survive, what they've dealt with, just things they didn't ask for. Mental health. Nobody asked to be schizophrenic. Nobody asked to be depressed. Nobody asked to be depressed. And then, oh, you can fall. You can, you know build yourself up and fall out of that depression you can some people have i've been depressed i've known people that have been depressed and they're like oh seasonal depression is a thing but at the same time 
it's on the spectrum. I know you'll know more about, obviously know more about this, but it's a spectrum. Some people are a little depressed. Some are a lot. Some people are not on the spectrum at all. And I was reading the study that they actually see the, they see like a different world than we do because it's like connected to your eyesight. So depression is somehow connected to your eyesight. So you see the world like a little gloomier than you and I Mm -hmm. because, and they say, well, just smile. And that works for us people that don't have depression. But for them, it literally is like a part of their brain eating them up. And, you know, I I read about it just because at a point in my life, I wanted to be like a psychologist. I was really all in love with all that criminal psychologist with uh, mm-hmm. with uh, serial killers and that type of stuff. So oh, I, I love it. Me too. <laughs> Listen to episode five with Philip. It's beautiful. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so I've looked into it part of like like a hobby. Like, okay, because I, I, like I analyze their, their tendencies, you know, okay? Mm-hmm. Like you just sending me stuff that I talked about on the podcast with him. You know, they're murdering animals as children. How will they grow up to be? You know, and mm-hmm. he just sent me a link like two weeks ago saying like, hey, dude. Like, check it out, you know, like the, the stuff mm-hmm. I was talking about. And I was like, I'm not an expert on this. I will never claim to be an expert. Right. I've just, I read these things. And my friend Israel Flores, he makes a great case for this. Like, if it was, if you're sick, you take a day off work, right? Like, you're like, oh, I can't come into work. My, my health is not right. Like, why can't you do that with your mental health? Like, sometimes you have those days where you're like, dude, I cannot function be it a breakup be it a bad day at work be it whatever maybe it doesn't matter what it is because they don't care if you have a headache or you have the the flu or a stomach virus you're sick you're sick don't come in you're gonna affect everybody else yet mentally health mental health should be looked at the same way like dude i'm gonna be a bitch today i'm gonna be an asshole i'm gonna affect everybody in the wrong way i'm gonna take a mental health day off i i i do I've done a couple, like, parent workshops and psychoeducating young kids and stuff. And um, I say that all the time, you know, and I'll say it in Spanish to them because a lot of them are Latinos. So I've been, like, um, I've volunteered and been hired for some to do them in Spanish. um, But I'll tell the parents, you know, if your heart hurts, si le duele el corazón, y siente que algo está mal you, you know you feel something's wrong you're gonna go to the doctor if you fell right now you got up and fell right now and you broke your leg you're gonna go to the doctor because you have to take care of that so if something is wrong emotionally if there's some kind of instability if there's something going on with your mental well-being you don't go to the doctor you keep pushing and thinking you're going to get over it. And some people do get over it. Some people do overcome postpartum depression on their own. Some people do overcome depression or anxiety on their on their own. But some of them don't. And they fall into this heavy, 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 heavy mental illness that is now a part of their life. And they've been li- with, living with it with so many years. And then, and then you hear, oh, so-and-so committed suicide. Why? They always looked happy. They, they always, always looked, looked happy. happy. But it's because you can't share it. Like and You've adjusted to it. And you can't share it because Latinos, till this day, up. whenever I start a conversation I, uh, in any, like, uh, you know, workshop or anything I've done, I ask them, ¿Qué me pueden decir de la salud mental? What do you guys know about mental illness? And then the, the thing very common you continue to hear, pues, que está uno un poquito loco? Oh, how many of you have gone to see a therapist? The hands are like two, three, four. 
they're starting to increase as the years have gone by but most latinos there will be like no um and i'll ask them why porque la gente va a pensar que está loco y que va a decir la gente de nosotros and i have an episode like that on my show que dirá la gente that i did with the lady from spain that's like her main um uh what she speaks about and stuff like how we care so much of what other people will say about us that we don't seek that help you know we don't go and we don't treat our mental health or our brain muscle as important as our heart and our leg and whatever it is that hurts and even latinos have a hard time going to the doctor with their physical well-being yeah. you know i have uncles that are like no para que but no más para que me den mala noticia that's and I'm just like uh, uncle but you've been sick for like 10 days like just get some antibiotics and take care of that shit no 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 aquí estoy bien con lo que tengo en la casa so if we already have a hard time taking care of our physical well-being because because we can't afford to take a day off of work because we can't afford to leave our kids somewhere to go take care of ourselves there's no way nobody's going to make time for their mental health that's I, I said I was, you know, just one of the things I said I was going to do, do a website, do a podcast, do this. And I said, I'm going to re- seek out therapy. Like, I'm like, I know I'm a little fucking crazy, a little fucked up. <laughs> but I was like, I keep pushing it out because I'm like, I'm scared. It's like I self-diagnose, which is like a terrible thing to do. And I'm like, yeah, all right. So, like, I know I did this before. I probably coped this way with that. I did this because of that. And I'm like, I'm scared to know, you know, well, what is it called? Um. Hold on, give me a second. I'm having a brain fart. I was going to throw out a word that uh, I'll come back to it. It'll come to me as I'm speaking. But um, so I was just like, I know I kind of have I check off every checklist, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if I kind of I'm self-aware of that, maybe I should just work on it. That's what I've been working on, right? I'm being trying to be a better person, be a better. Take care uh, of yourself. Yeah. So. But I'm like, I should probably I, I'm going to at some point because I just said I have to I have to I just need a vent sometimes I can't I can't share with the audience like oh this is what sometimes I think and then I'm like what the fuck's wrong with you and I'm like no it's just some thoughts that go through my head it's not like I'm gonna act on them you know just mm-hmm. like sometimes like I don't know if it's safe to say because people told me you shouldn't share these things but I'm like I go into like I wonder who will be at my funeral I wonder who like if I were to I think about that kill myself and I'm, I'm reading that you're not supposed to like that's not normal I'm like huh so I'm not normal <laughs> so maybe I should like I won't act on him you feel me like I got yeah. I got, I love my daughter I will never leave her like that you know I won't do that mm-hmm. to her my parents same way but I just I, I wonder if I were to die who would miss me for real and who would just like make an Instagram post like cause you know you see it and, like dude you don't even know the guy you just fucking you <laughs> yeah. want the likes and so I'd be like, all right, I wonder who would come to my funeral. Because I got friends out of state or whatever. Like, who, which friends would I go out of state for for the funeral? I'm like, well, if I could afford it, obviously, you know, I could go there, there. So, and then reading and talking to people, they're like, I never had those thoughts. Like, why would you think like that? Like, wh- how do you think of a world without you? I'm like, I have a lot of free time. I think but about that's different things. I think it's a good thing that needs to be thought of, that needs to be talked about. Because... You have to see life that way, or at least that's my belief. If I die today, who would care? Not just who would care, but what am I leaving behind? Like, that's what I look what at. It like, who doing? have I affected in a way who where have it, I affected exactly. in, a, in a way where it's like them taking the, not just a day off work, but like okay, like this sucks. I'm gonna miss him. Let me go say my goodbyes. I don't believe like in. I don't mean to insult anybody. I always say it. I don't believe in an afterlife or anything like that. I don't believe like in a 
whatever it may be, whatever religion or, mm-hmm. um, but I'm like, who would be like, okay, you know, I'm gonna say a prayer for this guy because I have friends that are still very religious. The last two episodes prior to yours were very avid Christians, and you know, something that I to this day I feel like when somebody tells you I'll, I'll pray for you, I think it's like one of the biggest things is like they think not to belittle their beliefs, but I think they think that there's a higher power and for they're asking that higher power not something for themselves they're asking for the for higher for, some, for something for like me I'm like dude don't pray for me dude they're like like save your prayers for like the good people and they're like nah dude like I'll, I'll pray for you like I want Everyone everything to go right a prayer I'm a and, Catholic but <laughs> and so I I just kind of it's we were just having a, a little discussion on one of the group chats I'm a part of I'm a too many I, I can't be in all of them but mm-hmm. this one was actually fun because we were just talking about like the theory of God the thought of God and so lately it's been co- coming up and me and my brother were just talking about it last night he goes but I think it gives people that nice sense of relief you know like everything's gonna be alright and I yeah. go and that's not a bad thing I just don't happen to believe in that but if people can be better people because of it because it, of something they can look forward to yeah, exactly. it's finding that niche of like what is it that keeps you going and some of them is faith a lot of the immigrants that i met this weekend like i asked them that question how and what keeps you going and they would just be like fe fe que las cosas van a estar mejor no sé cómo no sé a dónde llegaré pero fe que las cosas van a estar mejor and it's just i just have faith that times will be better i don't know how and i don't know when but i have faith that times are going to be better it's, it's, and yeah. so if faith is what drives you faith is, is what, what drives, drives you, you. if yeah. your daughter's what drives you yeah, that's, that's your faith that's yeah that's your belief that things are going to be okay as long as she's by your side or as long Make as it you okay. can do it for her yeah. exactly everyone has you know They're whatever drives there. them yeah and that's all you need to keep pushing um and you know back to mental health some people don't have that or they have a hard time finding that or they'll be depressed or have some mental illness and they'll be surrounded by so many people that love them but all they see is what they're dealing with or what their illness it it takes over you you know and so you know some people don't understand that some people will be like oh well i don't know why he killed himself he had children and everybody loved him and he had a perfect life it doesn't matter what life you have when with mental illness it it just is it's an illness it's it's another cancer it's another disease it's another thing that when you hear someone has can oh pobrecita but when you hear someone's schizophrenic it's scary it's like why don't don't associate with them because you don't know when they'll have an episode you hear somebody's depressed like ah man up it's it's que no sombrecito like i've not to me but i've heard people like that i know are clinically depressed you know they go to therapy they do whatever and other people be like oh man it's just an attitude and i'm like it's not like we can say that because we don't deal with it like i don't i don't think i'm depressed i just kind of i guess it's a bad thing but i don't think it's a bad thing i mean but i some people consider that i have a dark humor so we do like the like a couple of the group chats i mean it's all dark humor like what do you want for christmas a noose you know we'll send a picture of a noose and people are like oh and then if i i did that in another group chat and everyone's like oh fuck like you're okay now like, this is this is just like the yeah, raunchy comedy yeah yeah like, that's what i talked about in one of the episodes with like anthony jesonic like i can't tell people like hey to go listen to his show because 
it's very, very dark. He doesn't mean any of it. I hope he doesn't. But it's me that I'm used to his humor. I'm like, oh, dude, this is gold. And I kind of did tell my friend he should listen to it. And I don't know if he has, but I was like, I, I maybe shouldn't tell people to listen to it because they might <laughs> well, not be ready for it. their own sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Or their own, what they enjoy. But, okay. We could continue on that. But I do want to get into the the podcast, your podcast, Spanglish. That's that's nice. So, yeah. So, Akantrenos. How did that start? How did that start? Um, Akantrenos was an idea since undergrad. Um, I've always and still try to figure out and I'm trying to figure out how I can be a voice and um, help the Latino community. It, it's all about educating them uh, what I mean by educating them is our you know learning about mental health psychoeducating is really important you know for people to see how they can help their children and their grandkids and um, break that stigma and hopefully build better and more emotionally stable um, generations so it was an idea and um, originally and maybe still someday I thought of wanting to opening up a center um, and titling it Acá Entre Nos I'm a huge fan of Chente but not just because I'm a fan of him but that meaning of Acá Entre Nos um, is, is such a big thing within the Latino community because and it, and it has a bad rep and a good rep so we're very united as Latinos most families are um, you know the They live for each other. But that also um, causes people to not speak up, to not seek help. Because, ¿qué va a decir la gente de nosotros? Si se dan cuenta que mi hijo es así, o que mi hija está pasando por esto, o que yo estoy pasando por eso. And so, you hear it a lot in our, in our families, in our community. Esto se queda acá entre nos. No le vayas a decir a nadie que tu papá es un alcohólico. No le vayas a decir a nadie que esto te pasó. No, no, no queremos que la gente sepa. And so, acá entre nos, is in a, it, it's the here, it has to stay here in this home. Nobody should know our business is something that's um, causing that stigma, but also that can be transferred over to teaching people that it's okay that we're here for each other. It's okay that acá entre nos exists in your unity of your family. It's okay that you're there to love and support each other, but it's also okay to seek help. Acá entre nos, acá in our community, acá entre me, the therapist, and you, me, you know, our community, and you. And so um, using that unity that we hold so strong within our Latino community um, and transitioning it to it's okay to seek help and it'll still be acá entre nos. It's okay to seek help and still hold your secrets or still hold what keeps you united as a family. So that's kind of where the title came from. Um, and I was like, I want to build a center. I want to, you know, open up a center where we have, um, you know, therapy and group therapy and groups and chats about autism and how to deal with that when it when you have a child or it shows up in your family how to deal with addiction how to deal with certain things you know um and so it was all you know an idea of a center which i do still hope to open someday um but then the podcast idea came in as a youtube channel 
So, you know, between friends, like, oh, maybe a YouTube channel that Latinos could watch or some kind of radio station. And then um, I'm kind of shy <laughs> when it comes to the camera. And so I was like, there's no way I could do a YouTube channel without bloopers and laughing and, you know, no se me van a salir bien las palabras. And so then... Um, podcast started to be a thing and so the idea was there but I didn't want to do it alone and I think it's because I doubt myself sometimes my insecurities and I thought I couldn't do it alone so I had a co-host um Don Marie and she was wonderful but you know she was working on other things now so um we just recently went our separate ways and I hope to continue this um i'm not on it like i'm not it's not a i don't release an episode every week i don't release an episode every two three weeks like sometimes it's only two episodes a month uh last or two months ago we had like one episode that month but it's it's just a thing that i'm doing to hopefully be a voice help educate and just put it out there you know and be um something that can represent for the latino community um so yeah that's that's, that's what great. it's for <laughs> and touching back on what you said you know it gives it's relatable you know it's because that's one thing that people have told me i like you because you're you're mexican it's not a bad thing that you're mexican you know like in your stories you talk about this and that like it's stuff i've gone through and so for you female young latina you speak the language the listeners be like, okay, I mean, it's not just for Spanish-speaking people. Like, somebody that speaks only English will st could still get it. But you have that relati re not re relativity that where they can, like, okay, I, I know her story. Oh, she's not afraid to talk about this. Mm -hmm. And that opens up frontiers for them, you know, because some people just need that little kick in the ass, I say. Not a little push. You need a little kick in the ass. And they're like... You know what? I am a little fucked up. Like I, because I, uh, I'm waiting for that little push. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm just like I gotta seek some. Just, just shoot the shit with the fucking therapist. But just like, hey, dude, you're alright. You're not that bad. You're, that's normal. Like, oh fuck, way off my shoulders. Yeah. And going back to what you said, like we need to be talking about these issues. We do. And the social so issues, the, the podcast, health, and the, yeah, everything. That people will find it. People will find you. And it's good that you're so educated because you could, you know, like if I were to do it, just be like, well, this is what I think this is. But this, no, you have a fucking degree for it. You know what you're talking about. You get me? And so not only is it rela relatable, but they're learning, you know, like. Yeah. And originally it was just, um, you know, going to be a show to psychoeducate and do just mental health. But I'm also very passionate and a big advocate for um, social issues. So then at the end of every episode, I do Chisme del Dia. And um, we talk about anything and everything, you know, or I now talk about anything and everything. But mostly what's been the conversation lately is a lot of the social issues and things that are going on. Um, so I try to do psychoeducation for the most part, but sometimes we just talk about what's going on and it what needs to be talked about and then i recently started um uh special segments as a part of the show and i'm calling them um tell my story and also just giving people the platform to come and tell their story and what they've dealt with whether it's mental health or what whatever trauma or you know journey that they've been through if they're willing to share then just share because 
especially in our community, and I'm sure in many, in many other communities, sometimes it's just nice to hear that someone else is going through it too, or that someone else has been there, because it allows that little part of someone sharing is already enough to destigmatize a little and make that person feel, oh. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Because you do feel alone, even though you hear a lot of people, a certain percent of America is depressed, a certain percent of America is dealing with obesity, a certain percent of America is dealing with addiction. You hear it, but in the moment that you're going through it, you think you're the only person going through it. You're like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why am I dealing with this? And then that's how you connect with others. And, and just listening to a show or, you know, your show, whatever it is people come on here and share, just listening to that, someone's going to connect to it one of your listeners maybe just one or three or four or five are gonna connect to someone's story and be like wow i've been through that too and that's how they dealt with it this is how i've dealt with it and so it's just how you learn i'm gonna be okay and connect i'm going to be Mm -hmm. okay the the last episode i dropped on thursday right another podcaster he he shared like you know he was at a low he wasn't working. He had just got engaged, so they're planning for a wedding. And, you know, just people like, dude, like, that's some real shit. And he even said, I don't open up like that to people. I don't know. what We had met 30 minutes prior before we started recording. Like, kind of like we did, just kind of. And people were messaging me, like, bro, like, that's a real ass fool. Like, he's not afraid to talk about his struggles. Because his podcast is Process to Purpose, right? Like, you were talking about purpose earlier. This is his purpose now. So he wants to share with people, like, it's going to be okay. And that's what people were telling me, like, seeing him, like, a few, I don't want to share their story, you know, because out of respect, but they were telling me, like, I haven't really told anybody, but, you know, this is my situation. And hearing him talk, like, in retrospect, you know, this was 18 months ago, and this is where I'm now. I'm working, I'm doing this, I'm married, happily married, I'm, you know, getting up at four in, before 4 a.m. every day, like, 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 one person in particular was, like, I want to listen to each episode of his to see his journey because I just need some help right now and it was just mostly financial trouble and I told him dude mm-hmm. money comes and goes you'll be alright like focus on you though make sure you're okay like I'm here if you need something to vent to we don't have to record I don't a lot of people I've asked that like homie wise like I was telling you like they're like nah dude nah I have nothing to talk about I'm like yes you do because people appreciate the struggle is one thing I say people appreciate the struggle because they know like okay like you keep fighting alright I respect the fuck out of that I, me personally like I when yeah. somebody tells me like this is what I went through I'm like dude and you're still here, man. Keep pushing. You're going to be all right. Like, yeah. you're, you're proving everybody wrong. You're proving yourself right. So keep pushing. And like you said, it's two people reached out to me and told me, like, that story was just so humbling because, like, this, like you, like you said, way to connect. I'm not alone. Like, I'm not alone. I'm like, you're not alone. Listen and to his shit. That's all people need to know, that they're not alone. And I, I tell everybody, like, if nobody loves you, Hector loves you. I make <laughs> posts about it. And people think I'm joking, but I'm like, nah, like, I'm too much of a coward to lose a friend suicide to lose a friend like that so i'm like no if you need somebody to talk to dude like my number is public i don't i don't hide from people like if you find me we'll talk we could just fucking shoot the shit we all had bad days i had bad days where you just get home and you're like what's what's going on you got uh, the whole world you like you're exhausted sometimes seven billion people and it feels like everything's on you like what am i doing wrong what can I, what can i change and i'm like i've been through it like just 10 months ago 12 months ago it was like crazy to see myself now like I'm nowhere where I want to be but mm-hmm. at the same thing like, I'm like I'll, I'll share my journey once the time is right but not there yet you know I'm not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <get> yeah. <laughs> but um, I applaud you for everything you're doing ne- one thing I wanted to mention was next time you do that you said 
September-ish you're planning, give me a li list of the items you need. Like, I will get my list. I got some amazing friends that go above and beyond with everything I do. Like, I seriously, like, I, my support group is so fucking tremendous. I've, when I had my business, I did um, a Thanksgiving giveaway. And then we did, um, we fed five families. And I, it was, I put in some money, but it was mostly my friends that did. You know, I just had the platform for it. And we were able to feed five families that didn't have a Thanksgiving dinner, you know. And it was just, I told them, like, dude, I will never forget that. Like, they, like I just made a post on Instagram, like, hey, this is what we're doing. I'm, if you guys want to donate five, ten bucks, doesn't matter. Some people were like, let me buy one family. Whatever you're buying for, like, a family, I'll match it, like, for one family. People may up with me at the store to buy other people's stuff, you get me? Yeah, and it's then, so amazing to see people get together and do something. At Christmas, we mm -hmm. did a... You know, I, I grew up poor. My parents did everything they could for me, but sometimes it wasn't enough. Uh, funny story, I'll, I have a picture to prove it if the listeners want to see it. One year, I needed, like, a notebook for school, like, just, like, a notebook. You know, I was like, you're out of paper. So there's an actual picture of me opening up a notebook of paper, like like, like you said, the kid. Because I was a writer. I've always been a writer. Mm -hmm. And so I would go through paper like crazy, and, like, a college road notebook. Like, that was my Christmas gift that year. And, like, you know... At the time, I was sad. Like, what the fuck? You want a toy? Your neighbors got toys or whatever. And I got a fucking notebook. But now it humbles me. Like, dude, remember the days when you got a notebook? Now you could take... I just saw a toy story with my daughter. Like, I could give her what my parents couldn't, you know? And like they say, we try to make... Not just materials. Materialistic shit. I mean, like, you try to give what, what you didn't have as a child. You know, mm -hmm. I fucking four siblings. My parents couldn't afford to take us to the movies all the time. Yeah, there was like, four of us, too. <laughs> and so, now that I could do these little things with her, I'm like... People ask me, well, dude, I have, I'm not technologically savvy, but I know how to, like, get everything, either on my phone or my tablet or whatever, computer, I, I can watch all these movies. I'm like, but no, my daughter's going to remember all these times we go to the movies, you've seen, like, the la every week we go to the movies, and it's just, like, because I want that, like, what do you do? Like, what? Well, I, I go to movies with daddy, and, like, she already said, like, oh, what movie you want to watch next? And I'm like, next time, we're, I don't know what, Lion King, I think, is coming out in a few weeks. Yeah. But, fuck, I lost my train of thought, too. You were but saying, yeah, the, like giving. Oh, giving, giving back. Mm -hmm. We we went to, um, I did another one for, for Christmas, you know, like the, the Christmas gifts. And people showed up and just bought, like, uh, they know the situation, right? So they're, like, wrapped gifts or unwrapped gifts, but everything brand new. And I'm like, dude, like, they got families of their own. They got children to take care of, but just two toys, one toy. They add up. We went outside of Food for Less in El Monte, and like, people were just... On Christmas Eve, if you're going out, like, grocery shopping, buying a few things, you know, it's because trying to distract the kids. I remember my parents used to do that. You, you, you don't want to be thinking about Christmas, the stuff you're not getting. So we just parked outside, and as kids were walking, I'm like, hey, you want a toy? And their lights just brighted up. And that's why, like, that's all my friends, you get me? Like, mm -hmm. I did, I don't make enough money to be like, let me buy this, let me buy that. I just bought a couple. But with the, a little bit from everybody, we had a lot of toys. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, those are the people listening right now. So we can, I can help you. Yes, of course. So make and a list, and you know, obviously, I'll share it on social media or whatever. But it doesn't have to be. I don't know if you could take toys, but we could take toys for these kids. I don't know if I have the space for it, but I mean, like as far as you were talking about hygienic products, I can go to Costco and get like, I don't know if it's better for like individual, like you know, like when you go camping type of stuff. Like at Walmart, they have little Listerine, little toothpaste, little toothbrush, yeah. or if you need the big one. But we can make bags and just you know. I can't go to Mexico. I'm still in the I know, process. I know. <laughs> I call myself a wetback. People say I shouldn't, but that to me, it's just a word. But I would love to be a part of the house. Yes, you know, of like course. And um, 
any anyone that would like to help obviously is is welcome to and i'll for sure do the same thing that i did with the shoe drive you know set up a flyer um and put it out there and and thank you for you know suggesting for us to share it in your platform too because that's that's all we need you know as a community if we unite and and someone gives what they can if you can only give one thing that's okay you know and some people can give more but all of that put together will be just more than enough to take it out there and um do it so that these people could have something it's not maybe much to all their worries that they have but it's something you know? one less thing off their fucking shoulders like mm-hmm. it's been beautiful yeah. i thank you for coming on um anything else you want to get into um, we touched up on a lot of subjects so i don't want to yeah yeah no that's it i mean i'm 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 obviously just in this world doing my thing. <laughs> you're doing a great job, by the way. Um, if you don't hear I it often, can, you're doing a great job. Thank you. What I can, I'm a therapist. I'm a podcaster. and A writer? Oh, shit. Writer. We didn't even talk about your book. You're an author. Yes, I am Tell me a more. writer. Um, I, you could find me at um, K Beautiful Mind. I think it's one underscore that I have in there. Maybe I think it's two. after the K. Yeah. K underscore beautiful mind. No, it's K beautiful mind and then an okay. underscore. Listen um, to her, not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm a writer. Um, that's my therapy. That's my self-help. Just writing. I write quotes and um, poetry. Um, but I did write a book. Um, and that was part of my therapeutic process. I have sat on the chair of a therapist's office because I'm a believer that in order for me to help others sitting at the chair in my office, I have to have sit there once, you know, to understand it. Um, so I've been through therapy myself. Um, that'll probably be a way even longer story to tell, so we won't get into it, but, you know, my mother is deceased i became the guardian of three siblings at age 23 and that's how i dealt with all of my own mental health and my own um things that i was dealing with so i wrote a book it's a memoir um it's uh titled how i became the love of my life and it was just my process um after a very difficult breakup and losing my mom um to cancer and it's just a book that i wrote kind of for fun and to journal um and then self-published it um i just finished my second book which is uh poetry and quotes but i'm working with the artist who's um it's going to be a lot of like colorful cultural latino art to go with these um poems but yeah check out my page um buy the book if you'd care to read it it's 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 self-published so what's the word i'm trying to find it's not it's not no new york bestseller you know um i edited it myself with the help of others that read it and it's just something i put out there um, but yeah, you can find me on uh, at K Beautiful Mind, and then obviously at Acantrenos um, double underscore for the podcast. And that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. That's awesome. Um, so it's not a self help podcast, but the story has been amazing. It's been really fun. I didn't 
I looked at the time. I was like, oh, shit. Because it's just flowing, you know. I didn't even... But just in case there's some listeners that didn't really get the message. So I always do this, like, words of wisdom. Even though you've been very wise and you've been giving great sound bites. Just so they have something, you know, to end it up. A lot of people listen just to this. I found a forum. Very popular on Reddit. And uh, so I plugged it as, like, just the, the self-help podcast segment like just listen to the last like fucking two minutes you don't gotta listen to all of it because some people don't have the time for that mm-hmm. and um they like it like they're like this is pretty cool because it's like different people and some people will like check out the first five minutes to see who i'm speaking to mm-hmm. and they'll be like oh, okay that's their you know so whatever you feel like sharing um my words of wisdom so it was a big reality check when my mother um, was dying, when my mother was diagnosed with cancer and dealing with cancer. um, Any illness hits an entire family, whether it's addiction, cancer, mental health, it's everyone. It hits everybody. And so um, I would tell people all the time, my mom didn't just get cancer. We got cancer. And so it was something, one of the most difficult things that I've dealt with in my life but also one of the things that I've dealt with in my life that have helped me grow and become an even better individual than I probably was five years ago you know I've always had the heart and the desire to help others but it it does something to you and it changes you for the rest of your life um but one of the things that my mom and I would talk a lot as she was um you know going through her chemo and all of that and one day I asked her like what would she um have done different if she could now that she knew she was dying um what would she have done different and she told me i wouldn't have worked to die and so in that conversation she said to me um don't work to die whatever it is that you end up doing i know you're gonna go back to school because you better (laughs) she said i know you're gonna you know pursue your career but make sure that you're doing what you really truly love and that you're allowing yourself to live and that you're allowing yourself um to unravel and to take care of your your own mental health and your own well-being and that you're not just working to die she's like nosotros los latinos o los que no tenemos mucho we think oh i gotta work i gotta work we don't take vacation because i gotta work and i gotta make money but there's always a way she said to me she's like there's always a way for you to find a ver como le haces but taking that time for yourself and she said i would have lived a little more i would have i love dancing i love concerts i love music and so that's what she told me and i mean for her it was hard harder than maybe other people that have you know their husband or another person in the household to help financially because she ended up being a single mom um and then married was with my stepdad and then after he was reported back to a single mom but now with four kids so it was hard for her not to work to die but even she in that moment of that the last days of her life was like I should have lived a little more and so that's how I live now um I am trying my very very best to not work to die and to find time to just enjoy even if it's just chit-chatting with someone like we are right now and laughing and interacting with others spending time with my loved ones my friends I have amazing people also in my life who I appreciate so much um but that's my words of wisdom um you know 
make the best of life that you can sometimes it's hard because financially we're not doing so well or we have other stressors but um hopefully fall into a place in your life where you're doing what you love whatever it is or you're finding a way to do what you love and spend time with those around you because we're not all here forever um and there's horrible things going on in the world um as we have talked and discussed and there's so much more that we haven't talked about that is happening but just finding that um time to just take care of yourself self-care and um appreciate what you have and try to make the best of it um my other little quote that i like to go by is never go in search of love go in search of life um because love will just surround you as you are just searching for what it is that drives you in this life and yeah that's what i got for everybody (laughs) that's beautiful i'm gonna have you on in the future like definitely so you know after the san diego move all that stuff you know you got a lot on your plate but maybe after, like, with the, the September run and all that, like, there's, just thinking right now, like, we could have t- talked for hours. There's so we much to really go into. We could have. And I was like, there's always so much to talk about. No, but about. there's a good introduction episode for people get to know you, get to hear you, check out your podcast, check out your book, check out your page. So this Thank is great. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. This is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for those of you that are listening. Um, and, yeah. We can't all fix everything and do much, but what you could do to help, and even if it's just a hello to the person walking next to you, you have no idea how much that can mean to somebody. So, Send it on that note. Thanks for listening. See you next time. A lot of information to process, right? Pretty cool. Um, make sure to follow Kelsey's um, podcast page at Acá Entre Nos and her writer's page at kbeautifulmind underscore. As always, you can follow the podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube by looking up the Cool Kids Table Podcast and on Twitter by looking up the Cool Kids Pod. The website is thecoolkidstablepodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.